it's great, isn't it, to be, um, to be together this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Phil. Uh, I'm part of the leadership team here at uh, Hope, and uh, it's my job this morning to just take us on to, uh, through the next step of our, uh, our sermon series at the moment, which is called Together We Go. Um, we've been praying, as Heather said earlier, as a church over the summer about what's next. We've been praying and fasting. We've been thinking about where God's calling us to next. Um, and we believe that that part of that journey is to plant, uh, plant church, plant churches, plant fellowships, something like that. And so together we're going into that place and we're looking at what it means this morning. And I want to start with a question for you today. Uh, if you are to look at the arc of your life, if you're to look at what you're putting your trust in, what you're uh, standing on, what your life looks like today, inside and out, warts and all, where's it heading? Where are you heading? And I'm going to give you just 30 seconds to think about that and reflect on that, because we don't give ourselves time to think about where we're going often, do we? But we're all going somewhere. We've got a new, uh, a new health insurance policy at our work, and uh, a new company doing it, a company called Vitality, and we had to sign up to this new Vitality health insurance this last couple of weeks. And when you sign up to Vitality, they make you do a health questionnaire, and they ask you all sorts of questions about how much fatty food you eat and how much exercise you do or maybe don't do. And, uh, and, and at the end, it says, your Vitality age is this, and it gives you an age that it, it thinks your body is operating at. Um, and Ruth in our office did it. She was three years younger than she actually is. She was well pleased. Alex in our office did it. He was the same age as he was. He was well pleased. I did it. And it said, your vitality ages could do better. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it said on the screen. And it, I'm 44. It told me I was 53. So I'm operating a decade in my mind. I'm, I'm in the future. I'm operating a decade ahead of where I should be. I'm smashing life. Uh, but my life is heading in that direction. Uh, on Wednesday this week, I was, uh, I was in a couple of company meetings. I had to go all the way to Raynham for a four-hour meeting with the church. Um, and so I was driving for two and a half hours, had a four and a half hour meeting. By this time, it's about four o'clock in the afternoon. And my colleague and I, Alex and I, were in the car and we, we hadn't eaten any lunch yet. We'd hardly stopped for a coffee. Four o'clock in the afternoon, we thought, we'll just grab a McDonald's on the way back. So we grabbed a McDonald's ate it in the car about half four and headed back home for another two and a half hour drive. As we were approaching the office about five minutes away, uh, Mel rang, my wife rang um, on the car phone. She said, uh, we've been to Leicester and we're just on our way back. We're going to get McDonald's for tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you want? Um, and and uh, Alex thought she was joking, but, uh, <laughs> and that's a choice, isn't it? I had a choice whether to have a second McDonald's. I had a uh, what's it called, McCrispy, earlier in the day. So I've got a chance now to have a second McDonald's or to say, no dear, I'll have a salad. And Alex grasped me up straight away in the car. But, uh, but I'm uh, not ashamed to say that I had a quarter pounder with cheese meal. <laughs> and a McFlurry. <laughs> but because I've been grassed up, Mel only gave me a mini McFlurry, which is highly disappointing. Um, but that's the choices we make, isn't it? I've got a choice now. Do I keep having two McDonald's a day? Uh, do I, and that will be my third this week. Would I, do I keep on that path? If I keep on that path, my life is going to end up in a certain direction. I'm not getting any smaller. 
I'm not getting any younger, but my life is still going in a direction. And my choice is, do I keep doing that? Or do I listen to my vitality age and do I actually start to get off my backside and do some exercise? I'm, the jury's out still. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to make this decision. But, um, but if I did do that, if I swapped my McDonald's for exercising twice a day instead, then my life would end up in a different place and probably go on a little bit longer as well than if I eat McDonald's twice a day. Our lives are heading somewhere whether we like it or not. Where is yours going? Let's just take 30 seconds. Just think about it. Don't, you know, don't try and overthink it, but just let whatever comes to your mind come to your mind. Who are you at the moment and where are you off to? Where in five years, where in 10 years, where in 30 years are you going to be? Let me just ask you halfway through, what do you think you're going to achieve with this life that you're living? And does it match up to the, what you thought you would achieve last year, five years ago, ten years ago? Just reflect on that for a second. I don't know what's coming to your mind as you think about this stuff. I don't know if you're reflecting on yourself physically, maybe your health or your fitness level, maybe mentally. How are you feeling at the moment? Are you stressed and burnt out? Can you see yourself heading in a bad direction that way or a great direction that way? Maybe spiritually, where have, where have you come from and where are you heading that direction? I'm not going to ask us to share, but just worth reflecting on as we just start to talk this morning about faith. Because your faith today, what you put your trust in today, determines where you're going to end up tomorrow. In 2009 in Tel Aviv, this is a Guardian article I read this week, uh, a daughter decided to surprise her mother um, by buying her a new mattress. Her old mattress was all worn out uh, and dead. And so while her mother was out at work, she bought her a new mattress and her mum came home to a great surprise of a brand new mattress on her bed. Little did the daughter know that her mum had been storing her entire life savings in the old mattress that she'd just thrown away, equating to £611,000 of our money. Uh, <laughs> and as, as the Guardian article was being written, uh, the daughter had scoured three of the 25 rubbish dumps in the city trying to find the old mattress which had been taken away. <laughs> Where you put your faith determines where you end up tomorrow. You might put your faith in your money, in your bank balance. You might put your faith in your mattress. You might put your faith uh, in your family, in your job, in stocks and shares, in your sports team maybe. Maybe you've got your faith in Leicester coming back. Mm. <laughs> maybe you put your faith in something closer to home. Maybe you put your faith in your family or your spouse or your partner. And that's what you're pinning all your hopes on. Maybe you put your faith in your possessions, in your own health, or maybe it's something more serious. Maybe 
you're uh, getting through life by putting reliance on drink. Maybe you're just starting on a journey that you know isn't particularly healthy in that area. People put their faith in drink and drugs, in uh, inappropriate sex, in position, in ambition. There's all sorts of things that we can put our reliance on. And as you're reflecting just then, I wonder if some of these things start to pop up into your mind. Closer to this place, you can put your faith in church. We put our faith in each other, in our friendship groups, in our ministry groups, in our small groups. You can put your faith in your own ministry. You can put your faith on yourself. So maybe uh, no one can handle what I need them to handle. I can only trust myself to do this stuff. Nothing wrong with a lot of these things. There's something wrong with drugs and there's something wrong with inappropriate sex. Apart from that, everything else, there's nothing wrong with this stuff. It's all good stuff. It's great to have a, a husband or a wife who loves you. It's great to be able to rely on them. It's great to have a church family. We, we love this church, don't we? We love our church family. There's such a great sense of support in this place. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. There's nothing wrong with having a ministry, of course. What you're called to do by Jesus is really, really important. And it's great. There's nothing wrong with putting your faith in a lot of these things. But if you're putting everything you've got into these things, they are not strong enough to support you. They're not strong enough to support you. Jesus said in Matthew 7, uh, a parable about two guys, one who built his house on the rock and one who built his house on the sand. There's nothing wrong with the beach. I love the beach. We went to South Wales on holiday. It wasn't too hot. I don't like the heat. It wasn't too hot, but the beach was great and you get to see the sea. There's nothing wrong with the beach, but it's not a good place to build your house. There's nothing wrong with uh, being married, but it's not a good place to put your entire faith for life, to base where you're going, to base who you are in somebody else, because they're just not strong enough to cope with it. We're not designed to work that way. We're designed to work this way, uh, to put our faith in Jesus, to put our faith in Jesus. Now, the word faith uh, a little bit of Greek for you here. This is an easy Greek word to remember because it sounds a little bit rude. It's pistis. <laughs> it's the Greek word for faith. You won't forget this one. Um, and the root of the word pistis is this. It, it, it's, uh, it's to be persuaded. To be persuaded of something. So when we talk about putting our faith in something, it's to be persuaded of something. It's, uh, and often I think uh, we, we try and muster up faith, you know, ye of little faith, Jesus said, uh, oh, my faith isn't big enough, my faith has let me down, my faith has let someone else down, my faith wasn't big enough to achieve what I wanted it to achieve. We put it on ourselves so often, but it's good to go back to the original and see what it actually means. And the original means to be persuaded. It's not on us to have big faith for things, it's on Jesus to persuade us of those things. Interesting. Keep that in your head. Hebrews 5 and 6, um, I'm not going to read it, oh, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit. Let me read one verse of it. Hebrews 5 and 6, or Hebrews in general is you know, a, a great love letter to faith and remaining strong, that kind of thing. It's written to people in, in, in persecution. Uh, Hebrews 
Oh, actually, it's Hebrews 4, verse 14, just before we get to chapter 5. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Let us stand strong, it's saying. Let's, since we've got Jesus, let's stand strong to what we believe. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then draw with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Hebrews, uh, kind of this little section, 4, 5, and 6, is going through what it means to, uh, to know what Jesus has done in our lives. And it's saying, since we've got Jesus, since he did this stuff, don't lose faith. Since we've got Jesus, since he did this stuff, don't turn back. Why would you turn back if this has happened? And what it's saying is this, that Jesus, the Son of God, left heaven and came to earth as the once for all, once and for all, Savior. He lived as we lived. He was tempted as we were tempted. He had weaknesses like we have weaknesses. And yet, in all that stuff, he did not sin. He was tempted in the same ways, in all that list of stuff we've just written about, the ways that we can put our faith in the stuff around us and the stuff of life. Jesus was also tempted to do the same, but he didn't. He did not sin despite having all that stuff. And then not only did he not sin to prove that it, you know, he could do it, but he went to the cross and died that you and I might experience what he deserves. He won and gave us the victory. And this morning, I don't know if you've ever thought about putting your faith in Jesus or not. But what this, this chapter and these verses are saying is that there was one thing that needed to be done. Everything that needed to be done in order for you to live a life that you've been called to live. For you to live the life that you were born to live. For you to follow the adventure you were called to follow in your life. To not get bogged down with debt and all that stuff of life and busyness and stress and worry but to live the life that you were called to, everything has already been done in Jesus in order that you might live that life. Everything that needed to be done in order for you to come has already been done in Jesus. Everything that needed to be done has been done. And so why would you not have faith in it? Why would you not base your life on it? Why would you not... Uh, live as if that was the rock that you're building on because that's the rock on which you can build an adventure that's the rock on which you can build a house that's the rock on which you can build a future that's the rock on which your story arc gets uh, to the place where you've always wanted it to be in your heart of hearts and where God made it to be that's the rock and as Jesus has already done it all why would you not base your life on it this is the this is the message of Hebrews it's pretty good isn't it I like it. <laughs> um, and listen, a, let's just flip over. If you've got a Bible, why don't you just turn to the end of Hebrews? Because there's a, uh, sorry, the end of Hebrews 11. Because there's a, uh, there's a kind of a, not a flip side to this, but I don't want to paint it as a come to Jesus and all your problems disappear. That's not the message of this. It's come to Jesus and experience an adventure. And if you've ever read an adventure book or watched a film like Lord of the Rings, you know there's ups and there's really low downs. And actually, while this was being written, um, Christians were being fed to lions and 
dying by the sword and being, having horrific things happen to them. This isn't a call to a life of uh, prosperity and uh, life without, without worry and without danger. This is a call to an adventure with Jesus in which he partners with you and sees you through the hard times that come. And when storms arrive, you've got someone in the boat with you. There's a difference here between the life of faith that uh, Matt showed me a video this week. Ask him to show it to you. It's horrendous. Of a, an American preacher who is preaching about how big his house is, how he tried sickness once and then decided it wasn't for him, so he's not going to be sick anymore. It's disgusting, and it's, it's, it's nothing to do with the life of faith that I read in the Bible. But what I do know is that there's somebody in it with you when you go through it. And listen at the end of Hebrews to the sorts of stuff that you might, um, that, that people are being commended for in their life of faith. Uh, let's go to verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, uh, not in that sense, literally killed. Uh, they were sawn in two and they were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and the caves of the earth. There is a side to life which is really difficult. And if you've got your faith in uh, your spouse, in your money, in your bank balance, in your job, none of those things are secure enough to hold you in the times like this. People literally being sawn in too, that is disgusting and gruesome. But they held on to faith and they considered it worthwhile even going through this stuff because their faith was based on Jesus Christ. This is the tricky bit. Life has these bits in it. Maybe you won't get sawn in two. I pray that you don't get sawn in two. That's pretty horrendous. But life has bad stuff in it. And when your faith is built on the rock, when your faith is built on Jesus, it doesn't mean it won't happen to you, but it means that when it does happen to you, you've got someone strong to stand on and someone to be with in the boat. But what does it look like, in a good sense, to live the life of faith? Well, let's flip back to, uh, I'm flipping over, verse 1 of chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is the assurance, or in some versions it says the substance of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen. The substance. Faith is not an airy-fairy, let's make it up, let's work it up, let's hope and pray that uh, Jesus actually exists and that one day we'll go to heaven and we'll, until then we'll just hope for the best. Uh, we'll cross our fingers and we'll, we'll get there one day, we think. Faith is a substance. It's something you can hold. It's something you can touch. It's something that's real. It's uh, this, <laughs> this pistis faith of something that's guaranteed. And the word for hope as well means, uh, let me tell you what the word for hope is. I need to read this. El pizzo. It's, um, it's not, again, not to wish or to cross your fingers or to hope that Leicester are going to win the league, but they probably won't. But we hope for it anyway. It's to actively wait because you're expecting something to happen. <clears throat> it's guaranteed. The word for um, the substance, 
Faith is a substance. The word for substance means that it's, uh, it's the same word as you get for having a title deed, a title deed to something in your hand. Like you own this bit of land. It's a title deed. You hold it in your hand. And it's like um, if, if you're going to see a film, right? Would you sit at home and think, I really wish and hope that I can see the film at the cinema that I'd like to see? That just doesn't make any sense at all, does it? You just sit at home, hoping, wishing, crossing your fingers, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Well, the difference is between doing that and between having that and a, a ticket in your hand to go and see the film that's been paid for by somebody else. The ticket's in your hand. It says you go to the film on this time, on this day, you've got the best seats in the house. You can see the film exactly as you want it. It's the best screen in the cinema. And not only that, but it's, it comes with free popcorn. It comes with a great big drink and a great big tub of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> now, what are you going to do? You have the title deed. You have the ticket in your hand to go and see the film. You're free. It's at a perfect time for you. What are you going to do? Sit in your house and hope that that happens and comes to pass? No, you're going to get in your car, you're going to get on the bus, and you're going to get to the cinema and enjoy yourself, right? <laughs> I, I, I have to say I regretted the second McDonald's, so I wouldn't re recommend it <laughs> at about 4 a.m. <laughs> it's better than that, Mick. It's better. <laughs> See, this is the other thing about faith. It's... Uh, it comes with an expectancy that we're going to work and we're going to move. In James 2, it says, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but doesn't do anything about it? If they don't have works to go with it. And just like if you're sitting at home with your cinema ticket all ready to go, all prepaid, everything ready for you to receive, but you choose to sit at home, nothing happens. You need to get out there and work at it so faith works. You've got a ticket in your hand that says, Jesus has done everything that I need to do to live the life of faith that he's called me to. <coughs> but until you get up and start moving, nothing's going to happen. Because we're called to a life of faith and works. And uh, James says, you show me your faith without doing anything, I'll show you it by doing stuff. I'll show you my faith by demonstrating how I work. I'll show you my faith by getting up and going out and doing something that Jesus has called me to do. <clears throat> this is my cue to stop talking, I think. <clears throat> the message puts it like this. If you cut faith and works in half, you get a corpse. <laughs> I quite like that. You can't have one without the other. You can't have faith without doing something about it. And as we, <clears throat> as we angle ourselves towards Jesus, as the author and perfecter of faith, as we angle ourselves to Jesus as the one that we're building our lives on, as we re-angle ourselves back to him as the one who is safe and secure and holds our life in his hands, <clears throat> then what happens is our walk starts to change. And all that good stuff that we were putting our faith in before starts to find its rightful place in our lives. So when we were putting our faith in how much money we were saving to, for retirement, that becomes how much money can be used for the kingdom. How generous can I be? We're putting our faith in our job as our security. That becomes how can I become effective for Jesus at work? And how can what I earn at work be used for his glory? As we're putting our faith in our husband, our wife, our partner, as the, the be all and end all of our life, that becomes how can I empower them and love them like Jesus loves the church? 
so that they might become all that they're called to be and how can I support them in that as well and together we rise <coughs> as we've put in our faith in our fellowship here <coughs> it becomes how can I serve how can I pick up what Jesus is doing in this place and how can I join in with it and how can I run with it how can I become part of this movement that sees other people gathered together in this place? These other people pulled in from all corners of life. No matter how broken they are and how lost they are, they can come here. How do I partner with that? How do I begin to do that? Because my faith isn't in the fact that I don't trust myself to do it. My faith is in the fact that Jesus has called me and where he calls ill equip. And so the question becomes not, What's my faith placed in? Not where am I headed, <clears throat> but what have I got faith for? What have I got faith for Jesus to do in my life? And there's something I believe in all of us that we're created to do and that Jesus has called us into. It'll be different for every single person here, but there's something in your heart that just sparks I've got a passion for something. I wish that this was different in life. I wish that in my life, by the time I'm on my deathbed, I could say, I made a difference to this thing <clears throat> in this area of life. And there's something about that that Jesus has put in you. <coughs> and the call is to come. The call is to come to a life of faith. Let me read you a little bit more about of Hebrews 11. This is what faith looks like. Um, there's a whole list of people. Hebrews 11, if you haven't read it for a while, if you've never read it, go and read it. It's a fairly short chapter, but it's incredibly packed with stuff. <clears throat> it tells you all about individual people, but let's jump to verse 29. <clears throat> By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. You facing an ocean you can't cross, you facing some walls, by faith, these things can change. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She was just doing what she felt was right to do at the time in Jesus. Well, not in Jesus, in God at the time. And what more shall I say? This is the stuff he doesn't have time to tell about. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Samson, Jephthah, David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. This is the stuff he doesn't have time to tell about. And this is what the adventure of faith looks like. You might not stop for mouths of lions, but you might uh, be able to <clears throat> walk your own journey of faith that looks like making a difference where you are. And there's a couple of types of calling, I think, and we're going to just come into uh, uh, starting to think about this together. There's a couple of types of calling. There's one that says, this is what my life is given for, and off I go and do it. It might be a massive thing, like calling to ministry, for instance. But there's another type of faith, and that's the type of faith I see in Hebrews 11. There's a calling day to day to walk in faith. And so there's a couple of things here that we're just going to wait and <clears throat> wait on. Um, wait on God to just reveal to us, I think. There's a call to faith in the first place this morning. <clears throat> And if you haven't ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, 
the author and perfecter of faith, who calls you into an adventure with him, then the call for you this morning is to begin to follow him, and you're very welcome to do that. And you're welcome to explore that with us, and you're welcome to talk to us about that, and you're welcome to pray uh, with us in a second. There's another call for folk who've been here for a while, or around Christianity for a while. You've been, um, you've been following Jesus and perhaps following him more with your mind than with your steps. Perhaps following him more in the way that you believe in him, but maybe your walk just looks like your walk if you weren't a Christian. Your walk looks like it would do if you were just a general member of society with no faith in Jesus. With your mind you believe, with your mouth you confess, but with your steps, you know that you're not walking in the directions that he calls you to walk in. For you, uh, we're just going to pray in a second. And it might be that as you were thinking about that stuff at the beginning, for 30 seconds, some, some things that you would rather were different came to your mind. And as we were talking about being called into a life of faith, um, it might be that there was some stuff that you don't understand about that because you've never heard the call of Jesus. Remember, the call of faith, pistis, is to be persuaded. And all the people in Hebrews 11 who were called into a life of faith were called specifically to do something or be something or go somewhere. If you've not received that, then we're going to give an opportunity for you to just listen in a second as well and begin to let Jesus stir something in your heart of what you are called to do and called to be. So however you feel comfortable, why don't you open your hands and your heart and your mind to him. That might be standing or sitting or kneeling. However it works for you, that's fine. And we're just going to invite Jesus by his spirit to come. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you that you have done everything on our behalf to allow us to take the steps we need to walk the life you call us to live. Thank you that you have paid the price. You've bought the ticket. You've bought the popcorn and the ice cream and everything, and all we have to do is receive and go and get it and go and walk in it. And Lord, for every person here, we ask now by your Spirit that you would start to stir up what it is that you want us to walk in. There is nothing too big that you can't, uh, he can't do it. And whatever you can dream of how you can make a difference in your life, it's not as big as he can achieve. to bring to him that stuff you've always wanted to be different 
that stuff you've always wanted to change. Let him give you a vision of where he wants you to go and how he wants it to be. And Father, we pray for those who don't know you at this moment. They wouldn't call themselves a Christian. Lord, we pray that you'd reveal yourself right now to them. And if that's you, just respond to him in your own heart just by saying, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Jesus, I invite you to come and have your way and show me what the adventure I was born for looks like. And Lord, we pray for those who, yeah, Father, who know it with their mind but haven't been walking it with their steps. The call to you is to come back to the path of adventure, to come back to the path that might look hard to climb that you get the greatest views from the top on. So, Father, we just pray for those guys, Lord, that you would really come to them now and call them back to the path that you had for them, for the path that you've got them to walk. Jesus, give them open eyes, let the scales fall off and let it be like seeing you again for the first time. Let it be like being called by you again for the first time. Let it be like being called into an adventure again. And, and if that's you and you want, um, want to pray specifically about something, then we'd love to do that. Um, I'm going to be at, probably at the back, I think, <laughs> in a second. But so will others be who can pray with you and just pray through what your next steps might look like and help you to come back to the path. And so, Father, for all of us, just gather us up here and pray. Lord, is in the context of going, in the context of planting, in the context of this church, this family, our situation, this place. Show us where our place is, Father, we pray. Show us where our place is. And if God's showing you something that you're called into and it seems scary and big or it seems little and you can do it, then come and talk to us. Come and talk to us. Come and find us and we'll find you a place <laughs> here. And if it's bigger than this place, if it's external to this place, come and talk to us. We'd love to pray that through with you and we'd love to see where God's calling you into and help you on the steps to that.